0: All right. Welcome to episode 19. We have a guest speaker, our first ever interviewee. Um, I make up my own words sometimes. (laughs) This is Allison. Uh, We are also recording this via Zoom and will be available on my YouTube. And Allison, do you have YouTube as well?
1: I don't, but I'll share it on all social platforms.
0: There you go. Okay. So, I met Allison, actually, via Instagram. I found her page, I think, via a sobriety page. Um, I am five years sober, five and a half, and Allison, you're at least 20 years?
1: Almost, 17. Oh,
0: yeah. so, so, so badass. It's so badass. Um, you. And, you know, I know sometimes social media gets a bad rap, but it can also connect you with some really badass people, some people who are, you know, they've been through it and they're sharing it and they're sharing the tools how they got through it. And I was instantly attracted to her page. We have a lot in common, obviously. Uh, we're both sober sisters who share our journeys. Um, Allison is also an author and we're gonna talk
1: later a little bit about her book. Uh, when did you publish your book? Came out in May this year. So, amidst the pandemic, sprinkle amidst the mess.
0: Yes. And so needed. And so needed. (laughs) Yep. Okay. So, um, she is an author. She is an athlete. She is 17 years sober. Uh, She is also an eating disorder and a body image warrior, which really interested me about bringing her on the podcast because obviously I share all things. But this is not, eating disorders is not something that I personally struggle with. So being able to bring on that viewpoint, especially from someone who is as strong, you know, they've beaten it, they're a warrior, and they're already sharing their journey. I think that is obviously so badass. Um, And so I asked her to do an interview. I've already called her a badass like 18 times. She hasn't (laughs) run away, so we're good. I like it. And
1: so I'm just gonna start this off. I, I'd like to. How about you tell us a little bit about you? Awesome, thank you, and I appreciate the reference as the badass. I actually, one of my best friends gave me. It's buried, but I, I have a badass little bracelet that it's it's in Morse. So if you run your hand across it, can't read Morse. It's badass. So literally, haven't taken it off since Christmas. So I love it's that gonna last forever. Or be you know, totally dead and decrepit in another week, but I I appreciate the reference. And um, I literally was just on the phone before this, Melissa, sharing with a friend of mine about how, if used correctly, social media is a beautiful tool and a connector to people like you and a way to share in a a way that you can reach more people in an authentic way if you are that way. And for whatever reason, I've been gifted the ability to do that uh, with words and I don't have a problem speaking. I don't have a problem being me wherever I am. And for better or worse, right? Here's what you get. So I don't know what's coming out of my mouth tonight. So it'll be a treat for all of us. Um, That's like every week on my podcast. So no big, no difference. It's the best way to be. It's the best way to be. Yes. And, you know, I really, my, my whole intention in sharing ever is to just break down the stigma that is addiction and recovery right? Because, you know, I've been sober a long time. I got sober when I was 18 years old. So my whole adult life is sobriety from alcohol and drugs. Um, you know, and, and with that, though, came other things. And they, they I think alcoholism and drug addiction are more widely talked about because alcohol and drugs are not a vital part of day-to-day life. Whereas food and body And anything related to those two things is like, you cannot have a life if you do not eat, you cannot sustain vitality, health without food. Um, And because it's a necessary part of life, I think it's a really scary, delicate topic, especially if you struggle with it, you know? Um, And also if, if you already have admitted powerlessness over alcoholism and drug addiction, now you have to admit you're fucked up in another department, it's like, There's a lot of those things going on that I found for me. So I figured if it was, it couldn't be just me and one woman shared her story with me, which gave me enough courage to share mine with her. And then it just, it ripples. So, you know, my intention is just to break down that stigma of what it might look like, um, you know, and not to say that alcoholism and drug addiction recovery is easy, but I have to say. For me, it has been a lot easier than recovery from bulimia, anorexia, body image related issues because I have omitted those things from my life. And if I really want to, can avoid them at all costs. I cannot omit food. I cannot get rid of my body as hard as I've tried in the past. It is here to stay, right? Yes, that's so true. it is such a widely like abused form of substance and not even just abused, but celebrated, right? That's how people connect socially by eating, especially if you get sober, what the hell else are you going to do? Right. (laughs) Um, or now like you turn into a fitness freak. Right. So like there are so many different pieces of that part. Um, and so, you know, I got sober at 18. Um, my first addiction really was food. And of course, I, I couldn't have told you that at the time, but looking back, as a kid, and this is not said with judgment, this is just what I remember, which again, from my vantage point may not even be true. You know, as you grow up and you look back, you're like, that shit didn't even happen, but it's the story I've told myself for so long. You know, but I was fed differently than my brother. Foods were categorized as good and bad. Um, I had a feeling that I was bigger, whether that's true by pictures, it is certainly not. I was never, I've never been a large person ever, But it doesn't matter what you actually are, it's what you think you are, right? And so I was plagued by that not enoughness from single digit pre-pubescent years. And, you know, food became my friend early on, right? I was too young um, to get into drugs and alcohol first, although it didn't take long. Um, I think puberty is awkward for everyone. I don't think any kid is unscathed going through puberty, right? So, you know, that's where I found drugs and alcohol, you know, but I started binging by the time I was eight or nine, right. Secretly eating out of the fridge. And because my family is small and outwardly focused. Uh, and I don't say that with judgment because you know, we all have the right to look and feel and do all those things. Um, I, it was not an option to be fed. So like I had to do something with the food all, always. And so I learned how to purge when I was young or I, I exercised it off or you know starve all day eat at night and so those behaviors became rampant very young and i just had a really dysfunctional relationship with food you know and and for me you know no one can argue that a carrot versus an oreo there's different nutritional care characteristics however i am not bad if i eat the oreo instead of the carrot but that is the messaging that i received and the story that i I really solidified into adulthood about food, right? I am bad if I choose certain foods um, or don't look a certain way, as opposed to like, this is my choice right now, this is my choice later, this may yield more energy this way, this may be better for me. It it was more like good or bad, right? Um, Which is a really unhealthy story for a young person to believe. And I think a lot of people Hear that, right? And I by no means am am an expert at parenting. I have yet to cross that threshold, but I I think it's probably really hard to to guide your kids nutritionally, right? When there are so many choices. And depending on your own personal story with food, what that might look like. So, um, frankly, drugs and alcohol spared me for many years from my eating disorder because it took off the care button, right? I numbed out. I didn't care. I didn't care what I looked like. I didn't care what I felt like. Um, I just, my whole means of using were to, to get out of self. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, fast forward to 18 and, you know, by the time I got sober, I had gotten into heroin, which I'm told is not a recreational party going habit to develop. Right. Um, I was very into horseback riding. That was my sport of choice. Um, for those that don't think horses are a sport, they are, and I, you know, all day long, my boyfriend and I were talking about this recently. I always just thought the horse did it. I'm like, please, babe, get on there and go jump around those, you know, five foot jumps me. Please let me know how that goes, right? But that was my sport of choice, and I took it very, very seriously, and I credit the horses with my sobriety because they were bigger than me, right? Mm-hmm. They were, they were something that I maintained a care for that was bigger than me. Thank God, right? And I, I know people get sober without stuff like that, but it certainly helped me, especially at a young age. I didn't wanna lose them. I didn't wanna lose what I had with them. And, you know, I had a, a an emotionally high bottom, right? As opposed to a physical, really low bottom. And I had a lot of shame about that for a long time, right? Because I got sober through 12-step recovery. And the stories I would hear by people that were a lot older than me, like, I didn't even have the chance to experience that yet. I wasn't old enough to be married. I wasn't old enough to have a home or a car or a job to lose. So I'm sitting in rooms with people that have these war stories where typically you'd shy away from. But I'm in an environment where my disease is telling me, like, you're supposed to be like that. So here I am shaming myself right out of recovery. And... No, I'm I'm really grateful that I haven't drank her drug since I stopped. Um, you know, but that eating disorder came back with a full vengeance pretty soon after I got sober. And, you know, in the beginning it was like, how do I survive? How I'm in college, I'm young, I feel like my life is over, <clears throat> right? Never mind like all the things that are not working out for me. You know, what am I gonna do? That's all I know how to do is party. And you know, so I got sober young and, you know, we went to the diner right in the middle of the night. And I'm so grateful for all those, you know, trips to the diner and all the shit food. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't take those trips. Right. And so whenever a woman or a man comes to me, they hear that I'm sober, but also in eating disorder recovery. And if they're newly sober and they want help, I say, please get sober first. That will kill you before food won't. And I'm not undermining bulimia, anorexia, compulsive eating, they are very real. You can certainly die from that kind of stuff. But for me, I really believe alcohol and and drugs need to come first, you know? And I've been taught and experienced that the order of my addictions that kill me will be removed in that order, right? So heroin and alcohol were gonna kill me before my bulimia was and all my other things after that. And so, you know, if you are listening and you are just trying to tackle getting out of your drug addiction and alcoholism, please just focus on that first. Um, I certainly couldn't have done both at the same time because again, you have to eat, right? Like you can't just stop eating, right? Um, And you know, a big part of early recovery is eating. Like that's what you figure out how to do, right? You, You have a feeling, God forbid, What am I gonna do? I'm either gonna smoke a cigarette or I'm gonna eat a bunch (coughs) of shit, right? It's probably gonna be sugar, you know? Like that's what we did, you know? Um, And I I don't regret any of that, but I I think at some point it caught up to me and not because it was just at bay. I had never addressed it. And, um, you know, for me, any kind of addiction is just a a means to get out of life on life's terms, right? It's It's a coping skill that I have allowed to work for me, but at some point it stops working. So in the beginning, it's a survival tactic, right? When I'm a kid and I'm alone and nobody's telling me what's happening with my body, I'm eating because I need comfort. It worked, right? Well, it didn't work eventually, you know, and and the purging piece, that's not gonna work, right? Um, So, you know, I had a lot of years in recovery from alcohol and drugs before I was even willing to admit that I had a problem with food. I really honestly thought, Melissa, like I would just die sober, but miserable. And no one would have known that necessarily, but like there was something missing, right? I was being blocked from a full life and I knew it. And I was really just unwilling to admit that I needed help with food because I've already admitted I'm powerless over alcohol and drugs, not thank God the last few years, I, I have a broken picker when it came to men, right? I was a workaholic, I had my own business, I was a horse trainer for eight years right out of college. Um, so I, I had already admitted all these things, but like, are you seriously, I can't figure out my body and food? And I just was so ashamed. And I find that people with eating disorders have a, a different level of, of shame and remorse and guilt again, because the whole world has built this ecosystem about diets and body and what you should look like, what you shouldn't, what you should eat, what you shouldn't, should, 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 should. And so God forbid you're one of me and you have an issue with food and bodies and you're like, where the hell do I go, right? So hell if I'm gonna admit that I can't figure this out by myself, right? Because the rest of my life looks good now, right? I'm. employable i'm employed i'm i'm a worker amongst workers i'm a dog you know i'm all the things i'm supposed to be but i i keep falling into this hole with food and so you know i'm i'm gonna omit a lot of things otherwise we'll be here for the next six years talking um which would be fine but i'm sure someone would get sick of my voice before me um i ended up selling my horse training business i just exhausted me um i have done the opposite of most people most people start as a corporate employee don't want people telling them what to do they start their own thing happy as a clam. i'm the polar opposite i had my own gig for a long time i totally burnt my passion right out of me i don't ride i I had olympic aspirations it was my whole life right people that knew me then and meet me now they just don't they don't understand right like horses were my identity and they're not anymore i think they serve a phenomenal beautiful purpose they may come again Um, But for today, they're not here. And so I'm a corporate employee now. But when I sold my business and stopped riding, I had a a huge void, right? I I was always fit. Like I kept up with my fitness in the gym with the horses, Um, but I I had a, a void competitively. So I got into bodybuilding. What other sport would be better than competitive bodybuilding on stage, right? With people praising me for my fucked up relationship with body and food. Now, I'm not saying... Everyone is like that, but you've got to be a certain kind of obsessed with body to pursue a sport like that more than just once as a bucket list item, right? Like there's plenty of people that just want to do it. I give you huge props and they're like, this is really awful and really hard, way harder than you probably imagine. Right. Uh, but no, I was in it to win it literally. And I'm like, I'm going to be a pro the whole thing because I can't do anything at half mass." So I went from horseback riding to bodybuilding and I don't regret any of these things. Right. Um, it definitely sharpened the pencil on my abnormal focus with self. And I say self because it's not just body because when you're only thinking about food and the gym and your body and what you look like, like it's the most self-absorbed place to be. And it's an unconscious place to be. I wasn't doing it to be bad or to be a bad friend or to avoid you and my relationship with you, but I thought that was my solution. If I could just look a certain way, I'm gonna be okay. If I can just fit into this little body, right? Cause smaller's better, I'm gonna be happy and you're gonna love me and I'm gonna be enough. Cause that's the undertone of all these things for me. Like I'm not enough just as I am here right now. And so, you know, I did not do it naturally because God forbid I take my time and put it all together um, and so, you know, the combination of the extreme diet and hours of cardio and just preoccupation with self and, you know, the drugs, um, you know, it was a, it was a couple years of a real tornado, um, that I really think helped me get to where I am now without question. Um, it forwarded me into a place where I didn't want to live that way anymore. So I have trophies, um, I have crazy pictures. If you Google my name, I'm up, ass full on display, bent over, right? Spray tan with six coats, the whole bit. That is me. My hair is way longer, but it's definitely me. And you know, I I got to a place where like I just didn't want to live like that anymore. And so all this took place in the Westchester, Pennsylvania area. That's where I got sober. I'm from Maryland. Um, and I had sworn I would never return, not because necessarily anything bad happened, but that's what we do, right? We leave home when we're kids and we're like, fuck that, I'm never going back there, right? So, but, but it changed. My mom got diagnosed with MS and I really felt a pull to come back and be available should she need me. And she does, right? So never a coincidence, August 1st of 2015 was my last bodybuilding show. I didn't know that would be true, but and my last day in Pennsylvania. And so the show was at the university where I went to school where I got sober. So it was just this really intensely aligned day, all for me, right? But I was so warped into like have to win and go pro that I couldn't even appreciate that the stars had aligned in this way to set me off off on my way. But you know, that was my show. And I got back to Maryland at like one AM that morning. It was a Saturday night, Sunday I ate everything because that's what you do after you compete. I had cankles Monday because you're so depleted and dehydrated and then there's there's nowhere for it to go, right? So like I literally ate everything. And then like by the time you're done your work day on Monday like you have cankles, like literally I had cankles. And it goes away fast, but like, it's like this can't be healthy, right? This can't be healthy. And but you know what? Monday I started back to work. I, I was working for my father picking up some businesses of his and I was in the gym after work. Right. I actually, I probably even went in the morning to do my cardio and like off I was going with my Tupperware prepared meals and, you know, 30 minutes before and after on the stair mill lifting six days a week. And that's supposed to be my off season. Right. And I'm like, this isn't sustainable or fun. There's no joy in this. Like there's no joy. Right. Um, so with over the next couple of months, I just imploded. I think being out of my environment that I had been in for 12 years, my recovery network had to change. Um, I didn't have friends in Maryland, right? Because I had been gone for so long and I no longer did what I did when I had left, everything was new and I wasn't cocooned and protected anymore. Right. So it was acutely obvious that my life was not. Manageable and spiritually and emotionally and physically, I just wasn't okay and i got to a place where i just i was starting to really be afraid of the consequences from steroids and you know my fertility if i ever want kids right my voice was like getting pretty deep people were like are you smoking again what's going on um to this day i don't know if this is my natural voice i really don't i know people love it so i'm really stoked about that but i really don't know if this is my voice pre-steroids or not it's not as deep as it was um but I will say I can't yell anymore. Like if I get excited or angry, like nothing comes out, nothing projects. And occasionally I have this really sexy prepubescent squeak that comes out, um, unannounced. And it's just what happened with my vocal cords. So like, you know, I still don't know if I can have children. I, I think everything's been reversed. My blood work is great, but you know, those are consequences I was willing to take because I was, I had to look a certain way. And again, there's nothing wrong with looking a certain way. I, I think I'm actually as lean now as I was competing naturally, but for different reasons. And I went a totally different way about it. So there's nothing wrong with looking that way, but I, I, it was my solution to fixing how I felt as a person and deserving to, to take up space. And so you know, I, I competed, I imploded, I, I said, no matter what happens to me and what I look like, I'm getting off the the gear, right? The steroids, because I just, I didn't feel right. I'm a sober woman going to bed at night and I'm living a double life. Right. And I didn't want to use, it didn't make me feel that way, but I just spiritually wasn't doing the right thing for myself. And I knew that I didn't need anyone to tell me that I knew it was true for me. So, you know, I went through like puberty at 30 for like two years. Like it was really shitty don't recommend it, but I'm grateful because it was like, okay, clearly you're not doing the right thing. And I would say throughout that time, at some point, purging was removed for me. Like just kind of like alcohol and drugs. It was like one day I just, purging was no longer an option, which I'm so grateful. Um, cause that's really scary and it's a really lonely place to be. And I had years of a routine night, Right, I wouldn't eat all day, and I skipped a lot because I try. I want you to be able to, you know, pull things apart. But you know, I had years of of starving all day, binging till I had to lay down because I was so uncomfortable, and driving to five different convenience stores because God forbid I just I someone saw what I was gonna get right at one. So I had this like routine of of driving around, getting all the stuff, and binging and purging and binging and purging like that was my night right and I would do it till I cried and it's in my book in detail but it just like I thought that was what was going to be for me you know and I would get up in the morning hungover groggy and promising I'd not do it again to to do it again because I didn't have any other tools to help me not do that and I wasn't telling anyone and I'm alone and you know eventually I started to share with other people because they shared their story with me. And they, they, you know, but I never put it all together, right? I, I until um, three and a half years ago, um, but the purging was removed and I tried every diet, you know, And and what I've learned is that a diet is not going to fix me and it's not going to fix my response to me, right? That's the problem. It's not food per se. Now there are foods that I can't dance with, right? I've, I've had to admit that over the years, um, and learn that that's true for me for today. And it's interesting because I read my book and I'm like in a totally different place with food and my body than I was when I wrote it, which I hope to be right. You evolve, you work on yourself, you, you get better, um, or, or like things just change, right. Recovery with food is not linear and stagnant. It's not like alcohol and drugs. Sobriety is you don't drink or drug period. There's no wiggle room there. It's very clear food. There's a lot of wiggle room. For a lot of things. There's no like one size fits all and one way to do it. And so, you know, navigating that in the beginning was really hard, but I just eventually got to a place where, like I said, I knew I was being blocked from a full life and something was missing between my head and my heart. Like I just, I knew something was missing and I maybe binge like once a month, but all those days in between, I was thinking about food. I was thinking about am I eating enough? Should I eat more? I did all. I did paleo for a while. I did Whole30 for a while. I did the badass body diet because everyone, in my opinion, wants to look like Christmas Abbott. At least I did. And I I did what she said, right? She's you know who she is? Who Christmas uh, Abbott? Oh, she's um a really sexy CrossFitter, tattooed badass chick. She did NASCAR. She just
0: Maybe I am the
1: worst with names. That's okay. If if you Googled her Christmas Abbott, you'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. So anyway, she wrote a book, Badass Body Diet. I'm like, I'm going to do that. And she just, she simplified macros, right? And then gave you a really small amount to eat. So for me, any any book that gives me a meal plan is not going to be catered to me because it's a book. It doesn't know me, right? So I did that for a while. And again, I'm just trying to find a solution without actually admitting that I need help. And eventually, again, I went back through 12 step recovery for my compulsive eating, and I use that for still today. Um, I am three and a half years plus, yeah, more than that, sober from food, which is how I like to look at it. Some people say I'm abstinent. Some people say they're in recovery. Like I just say I'm sober from food because that feels really true for me. Um, You know, I don't use food to alter how I feel eating more or less of it, right? I, I food is not a response for me anymore based on what happens or how I feel. Um, same is true for training but I know I've been going on and on so I'd love for you to ask questions because you know fitness has been a huge part of this and figuring out like as an athlete what is appropriate and what it could be viewed as exercise bulimia if you want to use a term. but um, anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking briefly. <laughs>
0: I mean, I love that, that you had that and it's, it's not really a big surprise that you went the bodybuilder route, you know, right. having that unhealthy relationship, like, oh yeah, I can do that. I can torture myself. <laughs> I can, yeah, yeah, I can torture to myself with food and exercise. Right. I do that already and I'm not even yeah. getting credit for it. So, exactly. you know, it was right in line with your addiction, but, you know, I, I say there's, you know, I run I run groups to keep women accountable and I often say like there's no bad exercise, but there's an un unhe- there can be an unhealthy relationship with exercise. Yes. And there can be too much exercise and there can be exercise that is used as punishment. And yes. that's not the point. Like right. it's a privilege to be able to move your body and that being said, I recently just saw a post that a year ago you were cleared from an accident. So you were even, you had to with go, you had to go without
1: exercise for how long? Yeah. So I, I went, I actually, I just, for backstory context, I went from bodybuilding to competitive obstacle course racing, um, which was a more, uh, (laughs) you're not addicted to anything. You're definitely not adrenaline or any of that. right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, but it was way more functional and more food positive, right? Uh, I got to see a lot of cool places last year. I won the Tahoe ultra beast in, um, Lake Tahoe. So that was 31 miles, 70 obstacles crazy. And then a month later I fell bouldering and broke my leg. So Halloween of 2019. I was rock climbing, which I did every week. Like that was a grip workout for me. I went by myself. It was cool. It was social. I fell from the top um, of the bouldering wall and just fell in the right way. Cracked my fibula in two spots. First injury like that. I've had a lot of concussions, but first injury, like I literally didn't walk for eight weeks. Um, I had surgery. I have a plate and eight screws now. So, yeah, November 20th of, of 19, I had surgery and I walked in a boot for the first time on New Year's Eve. So, yeah, just a year ago. Um, so I didn't walk, let alone like train for eight weeks. Now, I did some upper body, but like talk about having to put my recovery to work.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. So I I broke my neck in 2015. End of 2015. I, I was only eight months sober. But Jeez. I say this all the time. That had that accident been five years before or ten years before, before I did the mental work,
1: yeah.
0: it would have destroyed me. Could you even imagine going eight weeks without being able to exercise in your unhealthy form?
1: No, that was it wasn't an option. Right. Big, right? You like
0: would amputate the leg. I'll I'll get yeah. a new one. Like, yeah. Yeah. right? So even yeah. being able to recover through like not just recovery in life in general, but being able to recover from what life throws at you because you're in a healthy place. Because it's not one more thing adding on to everything else that you're carrying. Yeah, Like
1: the mental- (coughs) Well, and I'm no longer using it as an identifier of self, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, yes. Like, so, and then I say, you know, with nutrition, it's 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 so hard and when you earlier you mentioned with parents i mean there is no education yeah on good food like yeah. on proper nutrition on portion sizes on right. what kids should be eating there is zero education about that most adults don't even know what they should be eating. Do you know how many 30, 40, 50 year old women I talk to and they don't eat a single vegetable all day? And I'm like, you want to uh, yeah, know why know. you feel like crap?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they don't drink water. No. Right?
0: And I'm like, you're not, you're not a child anymore. And, you know, it's one thing to not know. Yeah. It's another to choose. To continue to treat your body like a trash can or base your body and self-worth on the way that it looks, on food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's just, I lost 111 pounds between my girls and it's nothing compared to the way I see myself. Even after my second pregnancy, Mm. even in the second postpartum journey i loved my body every single day through it and that's something that i never thought that i could do like i never thought that i'd ever love like 180 something pound melissa and be grateful for everything that she can still do and like that's what i want other people to know is possible not that they can just lose some weight like it's not about the scale and it's not about the gene size because if you get there and you don't fix what's broken you won't see it right you won't see it right you'll get right. to that size or to that goal but it won't be good enough yeah because now what do you do you can't stop right. you'll go backwards yep and so it either becomes an unhealthy obsession or we just stop and we yo-yo
1: yeah
0: and yeah. i mean i have plenty of addictions i use i you know and i my depression is very it attacks me you know I'm very negative to myself um, it's very self-sabotage so that is kind of I'm very thankful that it never involved food in that way and that it was really just alcohol and I knew very early on that I had an addictive personality so I never tried anything else grateful for that too yeah um, that yeah. I never even went down those those barrel holes because um, it's it's heavy in my family and I totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> That's me. All <laughs> good. All good. All good. Okay. So the book released in May. Yep. And it's available on Amazon. Is it yep. also
1: available on Audible? It is not. It it's is Kindle, not. Kindle. Okay. Kindle or paperback on Amazon. The Addict in Aisle 7. Okay. Um, I'd love to do audio, but I know that will take some time. So not yet. Not yet but maybe down the road. Yes.
0: Um, And you have a blog, which I can link. I will link um, a little bit of description, some bio for Allison, her, I believe it'll let me link your book title from Amazon, even the link to purchase um, and her blog. And if you have any questions for her, I can also probably link, I'm not tech savvy. I will try to link her social media. Um, I also have a online community on Facebook and we can always add Allison in there. And if anyone has any questions, they can ask her in there. Um, So what what do you think your first steps to self-love and self-acceptance were? Now, I know you said you did the 12 steps. And so would that be it for you?
1: No, I think 12 steps teach me how to live in relationship with myself. Um, They, they clear out the mud. So I have some information to work with. Like, why do I do these things? Why do I end up in these relationships over and over and over again? What do I do differently? You know? Um, And so I think a lot of it is fake it till you make it, which is one of our slogans, but really more it's an acting my way into loving myself and accepting myself. Like I can't personally, stand in front of the mirror and affirm myself verbally and believe that. That's not my process. My process is treating myself well through the next best action. So for me, oh, with I love food that. directly. I love that. No matter Again, what,
0: hold on. Treating myself b- well by the next best action. That was worth repeating. I love that.
1: Okay, yeah, sorry, but it, and it's true, right? Because there are yes. days where I feel like shit, like this morning. Like I was in it. I have 10 days left of my sales year. I'm so close to where I need to be. And it's like, I can't see the light, right? And I'm feeling it. I'm just feeling it. And it's okay. I'm a human, right? When we're in recovery, we're not promised that we're never going to hurt again. We're just promised that we don't have to hurt from that substance anymore. Yep. That I choose not to ingest it. But, you know, so I... For me, it's it's truly the next best action. So with food, it's because of my old behaviors. Like I used to, and I know people do this, you you end your day with a binge, so you start with nothing, right? And because if you just for me it was a, a fear of eating, but also like I'm still full, I don't feel good, I don't deserve to eat, whatever. So like no matter what happens the night before I eat breakfast. Like that's rule number one, right? no matter what happens, I don't eat. And for me, I, I have a nutritionist because it's part of my recovery. And it allows me to live life between meals. I, I want accountability. I need accountability. I am not an intuitive eater. I will intuitively eat everything or nothing. Like I just maybe one day in my journey, but today is not that day. And I'm very comfortable with a plan. Obviously, I did. The bodybuilding. Um, but I really like that kind of structure. And for me, it's like, okay, I get, for me, I eat four meals a day. Um, and I eat about the same. I, I choose what I eat. I put it together, but I plan it ahead and then I don't have to worry about it until mealtime. And so for me, like part of my recovery is eating the next meal when it's time to eat the meal and not in between because I just feel like it. And that might ruffle feathers in the eating, the intuitive eating world. And like, about that, right? I mean, for me, I just, I, that's been a truth for me. And, and I just, uh, my history has proven that that doesn't work for me. So, you know, I eat breakfast, I follow my meal plan, especially later in the day. I'm always good during the day. It's like those after work hours, you want to decompress. You, that's when happy hour is for a reason, right? Like you want to come off your day, you're stressed. And I actually will credit bodybuilding to teaching me about emotional hunger because I re, I was on this plan, rigid plan. And every day after work, I sold cars for a couple of years in between horses and my father's business. And every day after work, I was hungry. It did not matter if I had just eaten a full meal or not every day. When I clocked out, all of a sudden I was ravenous, And I started to think like, holy shit, like this is not physical hunger. Now there is physical hunger. That's a thing too. But I got to start to feel my emotions and also, If I do eat the same things every day and I'm taking care of myself, what I see in the mirror is not real, right? Like if I can genuinely assert that I'm doing the best thing for myself, when I I notice that I feel really fat when I get nervous or vulnerable or I have a hard conversation, all of a sudden I gain weight in my belly or I have a job interview or a meeting or a podcast or something, I get heavy, right? And it's my brain says I'm fat because that's controllable, right? But the reality is I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, I'm scared. So like having a meal plan that I follow allows me to tap into that stuff and start to learn how to cope, right? Um, You know, for me, because the after work and nighttime eating was such a thing, like I don't eat after dinner, no matter what. Um, And it doesn't matter what time I eat dinner. And I honest to God never thought I could not eat after dinner. And it's been years and I, i don't i'm not hungry like i'm just not
0: we have we have we have two nutrition plans that we offer our clients and one of them is very structured and helps you it's it's balanced macros you know in it it kind of pairs together even what to eat like oh pair your veggies with your protein and your carb and so you get a balance of macros and it's very structured which is good for people and for a lot of people myself included it's really eye opening to how much you're eating of one food group, how little you're eating of another. Um, yep. You know, I was way overeating on carbs, under eating on veggies, fruits, right. everything else, basically. Carbs are always right. winning.
1: Um, right.
0: But then we have another plan that is very, very, very flexible. And the whole thing is pick a plan you can see yourself following for
1: life. Ever. Yep. And
0: there's tons of educational videos that go with them, it's not just a nutrition plan. They, yeah. they tackle the psychology of food. You know, I yeah. grew up and my mom was always on a diet and I never really put it together. She was going from one diet to the next and I didn't even really think about it until I watched those videos and I was like, you know, that that's how I grew up with food. Now wonder, when I wanted to see results, I always went to lean cuisines, I always went to diets. I thought that's what we did.
1: Yep. You know, I love that
0: my girls will never see me on a diet ever. Yeah. But but a really flexible plan, um, you know, there's a lot of tips like water first, veggies most, dinner and done, two hands on the wheel, have a hot cup of tea, Mm. have something soothing. So you know, we're we're big on that too. And it even explains and breaks down like so dinner is mainly veggies. It's 75% veggies, 25% protein. And it even educates you on carbs give you energy. You don't need energy at dinner. You're going to bed. And so like I like that it's even the logic behind it because I am an alcoholic. And if you tell me if I can't have something, that's all I want. That's all I want. So right. I can. I personally cannot live with deprivation, with, you know, no. removing food groups, with limiting myself. And so I do like following it because it doesn't. I don't have to think about it. It's like laid out for me and it's not an extra decision or hassle or, you know, knowledge is power. And when you don't know and you don't understand, it's very overwhelming. And as you try to gain control of it, you just completely lose control at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But I'm so glad that you found things that work for you because just like you said, you know, sharing our story and realizing that obviously if we struggle with these things, we're not the only one.
1: Yeah. And it's so evident
0: because once you do, people relate. You get the messages, you get the comments, and those people feel the same way you know, yeah. they thought it was all in their head, yep. and that they were the only yep. crazy person feeling this way. And so it's so good to share podcasts like this, share videos like this, share stories like this, read books like this, suggest book like books like this. Um, and it's definitely something that I'll be sharing in my challenge group. So who would you recommend this, your book for? Mm. Who is your book for?
1: That's a great question. So I I think anyone that is listening going, oh, wow, I'm not the only one who has this brokenness about me, right? That Ah, really isn't a brokenness, you know, but it's like um, anyone that thinks they're alone, anyone that has some kind of preoccupation with food and body, um, by no means do I have this figured out, right? It is a daily reprieve and it's, it is, it ever changes like I said what I wrote in here is very different and when I wrote the book I wasn't eating a lot of things because I had to start somewhere and now I eat everything except dessert because dessert and I just can't party I've never I don't want one brownie I want the bakery and like that remains true so I just avoid the bakery altogether in my life I don't miss any birthday parties because there's cake right but I would certainly miss the the party if I ate the cake because all I'm thinking about now is the cake so anybody that has any kind of preoccupation with food or body, anyone's that sober and or trying to be and has something missing, right? Because um, the subtitle is how I met God and myself through my body. And, and God to me is just how we're all connected, right? The universal energy that that protects us. Um, but yeah, that's a great question. And, I, and if you know anyone that's suffering, right? Because um, there are a lot of us out there and there's a lot of confusion around how to, talk to someone like that or just support them you know um and i can say too just verbal affirmations i see you i love you i'm here right i share this space with you you know is huge so great question thanks for asking it
0: that's a good one yes because you know sometimes we even say things that we think are helpful yeah but words can be toxic and words positive words can be taken in a toxic way if the person is in a toxic space. Right. So so I really like that. Um, and I will say that, you know, my sister um, does have a past with eating disorders and I didn't know. So mm. way more often than not, there may be someone in your life struggling with these things and they are still living very much in their shame bubble. And yeah. they're not open about it. So even just sharing this in general, because yes. you don't know who needs to hear it that day. And I have chills, I think. So this, thank you so much for joining. I oh, think this you're was so great. Is
1: there anything that you want to add? I would only say, just to piggyback off what you just said, like an eating disorder is not defined by what someone looks like. And that idea alone, Prevented me from recovery for a long time because I've yeah. I have looked normal my whole life, not mm-hmm. to me, but to to the rest of the world, right? Yeah. And on a piece of paper, I look I'm normal, right? If anything, I don't know about right now. I've been fat because of my muscle density to my weight and and height. Um. And so, like, looks can be deceiving, like what you just said. So, just I think just sharing in general, you know, this is about. Connecting people, being vulnerable, being more intimate in a world where we're so easily connectable and so far apart, right? Right. Um, so yeah. Even I just simple to things
0: like, like like I love how how you said that you can't you can't have the cake, and I see this I see this a decent amount in in my groups is that don't give someone backlash for the choices that they make. If someone yes, doesn't take why. the cake, and if someone passes on the cake. Allow them to pass on the cake. You can still have the cake. They're not judging you. They are only judging themselves or trying not to judge themselves. Correct. Like, I think that's such a big message because some people out there, you know.
1: No, I I talk about that in the beginning. Like this is for you, dear reader, who tries to get me to eat bread every time we go to a restaurant. And the reason I can't eat bread, which I do now, but at the time is because once I start eating the bread, I can't stop eating the bread. Yeah, and I'm no longer present for you at this dinner. Right. So yeah, and Thank it's you. just like the alcohol, exactly. Only exactly. I mean, you
0: can't you can't completely admit it, uh, omit it, right? And right. So you have to learn your boundaries and where you can stay in a healthy place in a healthy relationship well thank you so much Allison this was fun thank you I can't wait until we launch this hopefully that hopefully this week this weekend um I will share it with you share all the things thank you so much thank thank you this was
1: fun thanks Melissa